0: This is Quest live from the heart of Brooklyn. Quest is an hour-long podcast about everything in and relating to technology. With three techno experts. Eric Newman. Hi! Chris Grabowski. Hello. And Tyler Dinner. Hey there. This week's episode, Exploit This. Hello, everybody. Welcome to yet another Quest. My name is Eric Newman, and to the left of me is our wonderful, usual... Maybe it's always the same Chris Grabowski Hi, how's it going? Hey, doing alright Good, and uh, to your left, I have to cut you off because I made a giant mistake last week I forgot to introduce the wonderful third person of the show Our studio audience, yes! No (laughs) (laughs) No, of course, it's the wonderful Tyler Dinner, the heart, the drummer, the soul of the show Hi, how are you?
1: Hey guys, I'm good, it's been a really nice week
0: Hasn't it? It's uh, it's like it's like Earth is going through menopause. I don't know. It's uh, twenty degrees, and then sixty degrees, and now it's twenty degrees again, and everyone's <laughs> getting sick. Throwing Are you
2: up. the Earth is not a, a powerful and uh, strong. Um,
0: but what? Yeah. Figure? Uh, you got uh, it. <laughs> you got to you gotta try I, out I the open mic the jokes there. a little bit more before I, the. Uh, I, saw, the show. I saw the starting line. I did not see the, uh, the finish line. Yeah, that's the problem. You gotta have the punchline in your head first before you start these lame jokes, Christian. Anyway, yeah. a lot of stuff has been going on. Like, if you were in Hawaii yesterday, you would have noticed uh, that your phone rang with a ballistic missile threat alarm. That's so, right, yeah, most? Somebody
1: pressed the wrong way. We all learned that we had that on our phone.
0: Yeah, exactly. Most phones are sold with an emergency alert system that will activate and will sound like death is coming when activated. It's activated from some central office in your regional authority. And uh, on on the islands of Hawaii, uh, they were thrown into a panic Saturday morning after an emergency alert was mistakenly sent, warning them to seek immediate shelter for from a ballistic missile threat. And it took emergency official, officials 38 minutes to send... The new alert to mobile phones that the threat was in fact a false alarm. Now the problem is that the threat said this is not a drill. This is not a false alarm. Seek cover immediately.
2: Well, so it turned out they had like two buttons next to each other. One for the test and one for the real one. They shouldn't. Why would they put them next to each other? Why
0: do we even have that button? Why would would they? Yeah, like it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, that's a that seems like the few more inches they could have, they could have moved that button would have saved thousands of good people. Good I just
2: bought a new phone, so when how is comes, this related I'll, to anything? I'll, I'll get because uh, I'll get the new ballistic missile warning.
0: No, you won't, unless you move to Hawaii.
1: <laughs> well, the good news is he gets to talk about himself.
0: Oh right. <laughs> well, that's why you're on the show, Christian. We love when you talk about yourself. Uh, He's good except at Except for that guy who everybody does told us to stop uh, jerking each other off. Anyway, um, whoa, whoa. So, uh, (laughs) there's uh, some quick positive news. I know that we're a little short on that these days. Uh, It turns out that uh, I forgot to introduce our studio audience. Yes! That's right. That's not exactly what I was going to say, but we keep them in a Tupperware container during the week, and we take them out on Sundays just for us, and it is a nice Sunday evening tonight, even though everything's sinusoidal. Weather. Anyway, my quick positive bit was that more than ninety-four percent of new net electricity capacity in the U.S. Uh, was from renewables, and our total emissions were down one percent. This isn't entirely technology, but I thought I'd bring I'd start the show off with some good news. Well, that's good
1: because you know once. technology kind of runs on power. Yeah. Exactly. Most of it.
0: (laughs) And we're always going to have more tech and more things that need a lot of power. And in 2017, the U.S. built about 28.5 gigawatts, or as they said back in the year we were born, gigawatts of electricity generating infrastructure. However, 25 gigawatts of utility scale and and about 3.5 gigawatts of distributed solar power. Wind and solar are 55.4% of the 28.5 gigawatt overall total and about 49.2% of the utility scale total. It's pretty good. When subtracting the 11.8 gigawatt, I'll say it properly uh, of utility-scale fossil retirements tracked by the EIA, I'm guessing that's the fossil fuels that are no longer being produced. The net new volume of U.S. generation was 16.7 gigawatts of generating capacity, with 94.7 of that coming from renewables. Pretty good.
2: But don't worry, coal's
0: making a comeback. Coal's making a comeback into th- you know like. We finally re- lowered our emissions 1%. It's a big 1%. We admit a lot. But uh, 1% over 2016. And um, this, this number is lesser than the years from tw- 2005 to 2016 when we saw emissions fall on average of 1.6%. So from 2005 to 2016, we saw uh, U.S. emissions fall 1.6%. But between 2016 and 2017, we saw the emissions fall an additional 1%. That's pretty good. Except for the policy changes that are reversing anyway uh let's see there's a lot of stuff i know that uh, over the holidays we enjoyed a brief slumber and everyone has kind of woken up get back in the swing of things like kodak they've announced the launch of a kodak coin that's right much like that film that came out way before we were born kodak coin is is kodak's last chance or, or latest chance last attempt there we go. Latest attempt. Uh, latest attempt to remain relevant in an ever-futurizing. Re- is that where I messed this up. It is now. Uh, it is now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I was trying to get Kodachrome to play while well, I'm talking about It's not making sense. Anyway, if there were better news or bigger news that we were in a cryptocurrency bubble, it would be this. <laughs> well, not only this. Kodak seems
2: to be going all in on cryptocurrency. Not only are they doing their own coin. But they also are now, uh, their new business model is you can lease a cryptocurrency miner from them that uh, when you lease it, not only do you have to pay up front like 3000 and some change, but at, at when you return it, they also take uh, half of your
0: earnings. Ugh. Yeah. Why would you want that? Exactly. Hardly sounds profitable. Uh, right? I don't know. Yeah.
1: How are you going to power that and still make a profit if you get them half of what you make?
0: Well, it's because Kodak it needs money, and this is any chance that they have of getting it. And chance they need, because... I don't know. They're not really selling film too much anymore. And, I mean, you saw what Polaroid was doing. Polaroid was suing uh, other, camera su- ca- other camera companies that aren't bankrupt uh, into trying to get a couple pennies. In a, and, and Kodak is going to uh, fake money instead of creating things. I don't know. Uh
2: not you can still helpful. Buy a Polaroid camera at the Urban Outfitters checkout line.
0: But I don't think that that's actually Polaroid. I think that's just the name.
2: You don't think, think Eric knows Eric. that? Okay.
0: remember we had that story <laughs> that, where they sued Fuji Film.
2: Yeah, no, that I, I know. But you, there's at least a camera with the word Polaroid slapped on it that you can buy at Urban
0: Outfitters. Hmm. Well, who knows? Um, anyway, don't buy Kodak coin. Although we don't, you know, this we're, we don't give real financial advice. I don't think that's a good idea. And Do whatever
1: someone... Eric doesn't say.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, given my cryptocurrency portfolio, go for it. Um, <laughs> let's see. Someone pasted the Zencaster link to the show in a million times on the show notes. I don't know oh, that was of my you, mouse
1: malfunctioning. My bad. I don't know which one of you that was. Uh, <laughs> how, how does your mouse have control for that?
0: <laughs> how oh, does
1: your
2: mouse paste, uh, Christian? Well, apparently uh, the thing that I normally use to adjust the uh, uh, sensitivity of the mouse uh, in Google Docs we'll paste instead
0: wow yeah is that weird right control V
2: no I've got a special button on my mouse to adjust no I know uh, but that
0: probably uh, has some keyboard macro yeah
2: it, it probably calls control V
0: that's a, that's a bad macro
2: it's not like a it's macro a you should change
0: it to something it's, else
2: it's a weird Google Docs thing where oh hey you're changing your mouse latency I think you're, what you're actually doing is trying to paste the, uh, something
0: but so if you did this in Microsoft Word you'd be fine Maybe. Who knows? You should try it. Anyway. Next. Uh, <laughs> next, there was CES. Going, is going on? Went on? When was that? I Did, believe went on. Went on. Past week. Past week. We should have known that. But we didn't get to go. So it doesn't matter. But it looks like CES is turning into, uh, instead of just consumer electronics, it's really more just televisions and VR. Well, it
2: seems to be like the, every, every uh, uh, consumer electronic company is trying to just show off whatever they came up with. Well, like, that makes uh, sense, but there's just that, that, a lot of There's that TVs. new uh 7,000 uh, uh Kohler toilet that is uh voice activated this way Ooh. you can just be yelling "Flush! Flush for the love of god, just please flush."
0: <laughs> really? That's uh that sounds like that uh, that's the a toilet bad from strategy. Bob's Burgers.
1: <laughs> also, they have those in Japan if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, wow. Well, That's those fine. ones, like, they'll shoot water, they, they'll say, Oh, they'll shoot water. I'm sure they'll shoot other things. Check this out. The NuMi Intelligent Toilet with Color Connect. If you want your poop to connect to the internet. Uh, NuMe, in, which was my uh, n- nickname back in high school. NuMi well, Intelligent to stand Toilet. stand up and
1: take a picture of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. It automatically <laughs> will snap it and send it to Instagram. Uh... Anyway, uh, Numi Intelligent Toilet with Kohler Connect is Kohler's most advanced toilet ever. The Numi offers personalized experiences that let the users fine-tune every aspect of their experience to their exact preference. From ambient colored lighting to wireless Bluetooth music sync capability to the heated seat and foot warmer. Numi delivers hands-free control, personalized cleansing functionality, and exceptional water efficiency. (laughs) In the dark, oh my god! Oh my god, Christian. Anyway, Christian, this is like my favorite thing. In the dark, <laughs> okay. as you walk up to me, it will slowly turn on and welcome you into the bathroom. Okay. It really is the Bob's Burgers toilet. It really is like the Bob's Burgers toilet. It it is.
2: Yeah, uh and it'll, it'll
0: it should it it should be able to know your name by the the feel of your ass when you sit down <laughs> on the toilet. Hello, Christian anything
2: <laughs> well in other news it, uh, well, I don't want to talk CES. about anything
0: else I'd much rather <laughs> this colored toilet is the um, too immature uh, another thing that came out of CES that I was going to mention was the Samsung wall TV with micro LED technology I Go don't care on. I don't care I remember Aww. when we did this last year and last year we talked about some ridiculous television that used QLED technology and everything. and ended up say, I ended up saying the whole alphabet out of order. And this is just an improvement on that, and it can fill your whole wall. So they call it the wall, and that's it. Made by Samsung. Probably probably good.
1: That'd yeah, be cool. Tech reviews by Jerry but Seinfeld,
0: of, everyone.
2: Of cooler, <laughs> of, of cooler things, though, Intel revealed a uh, quantum CPU. So that uh, was cool.
0: Where it's going? Yes, and, and is that, does that, is that uh, powered by Meltdown? No, is quantum doesn't have that issue. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, it just means great.
1: you can code in six dimensions, and you know it comes <laughs> with the flux capacitor and all that.
2: Yeah, and you have to uh, uh, cool the CPU down to zero
0: degrees Kelvin. Is that really? Ooh, that won't. That won't take all the energy in the universe. Uh, it's close to zero. It's not zero. So it's super energy efficient. But it has to run at absolute zero. So if you like, <laughs> that's close to. If uh, you zero. if you yawn next to it. It'll raise like one Kelvin, and it'll <laughs> if you blow the fart whole. fart
1: next up. to the machine, <laughs> you yeah, get a real no, good steamer in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Who farted in the data center again? <laughs> These are quantum.
2: <laughs> anyway, and well, if, if quantum isn't, if you don't have the uh, wallet for quantum, you can always just get AMD's new ter- two terabyte uh,
0: of RAM server. There we go. How big is this? It looks like it's the size I'm not of two iPhones. answering icons. that question again. Why am I looking at a video of iPhone X skins and wraps, Christian? You did probably... you Rickroll me? <laughs> no, but that would have been great. It's an ad. It's an ad. Well, it was like, like not. It content. wasn't even a pre-roll ad. It was like an in. It was like an yeah. interstitial.
1: Yeah. Welcome to YouTube. What's a pre-roll ad? Is that for like a Cheech and Chong movie? <laughs>
0: exactly No pre-roll ad Is what shows Before your content A mid-roll is shown In between the content Like if you see If you're watching Online video And you see like The the progress oh, bar Has rolling, a break like in it
1: scrolling.
0: Yeah And then post-roll Is at the end uh, Know your role jabroni.
1: And 18 SATA drives It accepts up to two 32 core 64 thread Epic servers For a total of 128
0: threads Not to mention that it can hold up to 4 terabytes of memory Oh, wow Up to 4 terabytes Well, I guess the upgrade just came out Uh, An upgrade of the the server just came out, Christian So now it's 4 terabytes of RAM That computer (laughs) was
1: made to download porn
0: yeah, well, not. To, it's made to serve porn because it's gonna. It could put all of Pornhub in memory. So no, no. Porn no. Pornhub but has now, to use more than four. But now tablets. that
1: sparks a new segment. I wonder <laughs> how much porn is in Pornhub. Well, we can actually run a script and find that out.
0: Yeah, Christian. Every time you, I think you like. It sounds like you're running through my head. I think you're panning in uh, stereo again. You guys are such a cute uh, couple.
2: That is impossible right now. Uh, oh.
0: Okay I'm hearing it Okay Okay Uh, I was supposed to have spent this past week using Firefox I didn't do that I'm sorry Boo Boo, I know Boo Boo. I
1: didn't do it because I didn't want
0: to It's been my daily driver I've been loving it Yeah I know I need to do it But I have The problem is I never restart my computer Everything's already set up, and I just don't How want. How is manage. that a
2: problem? You just open up the other browser. Oh. No.
0: well, and I and, and and ironically, I actually I did start using Firefox, just not as my primary. Which is I, it's it's double ironic because fa- uh, uh, rewind five years ago, I was or f- what three years ago, I was yelling at you guys to use Firefox, and then I'm using Chrome and now. You're Firefox, yelling at me to use Firefox it
1: renders the prettiest. It's it the does best render the best. One. Gecko's ninety five M- percent the same, and incidentally, I run into every well, single one of those part, five
0: percent isn't the same. But the thing, the thing, which thing uses
1: is, parts of Servo.
0: Right. The, the thing is um, that Chrome introduced yet another irritating bug, where mm. uh, if you if you if you have one page that is broken up into multiple fake pages and it changes the uh, hash and the URL when you scroll, and let's say you wanted to search text, let's say you know what, let's say there's a video player that you're you, there's documentation for something. So we're and, on Pornhub. Yeah, you're you're on Pornhub. There you go, and you're looking through Pornhub's video player documentation, and it's really one big page. But if it has hyperlinks that go to different hashes, and they go that changes the hash in the URL. Whenever you're searching for text, and the hash changes, it actually Chrome will now remove the search text field. Hmm, that's annoying. It's very hard to explain without Ooh. seeing. Oh,
1: it. I see that. So it, the little top, the little field in the top right corner goes away when you're it go, using right. It
0: even though it's the same physical page but the hash changes so it's technically it's not exactly the same URL they've now added some kind of handler to the hash change event when chrome, in chrome and it'll just remove the so if you're trying to search through documentation for a recurrent word you can't do it
2: you know i'm just going to put this out here i'm using firefox right now i'm going to go have 104 look, tabs open you know what christian I'm only using 3 I'm megabytes of ram fire how much 3 megabytes of ram for 104 tabs that's impossible Wow. No, it only loads a single tab into memory. But how
0: is a single web page only using three megs of RAM unless it's all text? Is it
2: your (laughs) web (laughs) page? (laughs) Yes. Ah,
0: there we go. (laughs)
1: busted Uh, yeah
0: (laughs) busted just like Jay Green that's right if you were in Washington DC and that's your name you might be in jail right now because a Virginia man arranged to pick up nine pounds of pot delivered to a Jay Green in Washington DC but it had been intercepted by the police Man Mm. who said his name was Jay Green. Get it? Then called the main number at the uh, art establishment Friday evening asking about the package. He was told they didn't know if it had had been delivered, but he would check back the next day. Jay Green called back on Saturday, and it was told that he could go to the address and pick up the package, police said. Police called his cell phone to arrange the pickup and stick up. They did, because he is in jail. Uh, What's funnier is that the guy's name is actually Jacob Greenbaum. (laughs) So he's not wrong. It's not entirely like, you'd think green because of pot, you know? But the guy's last name is Greenbaum, and his first name is (laughs) Jacob. So Jay Green is not actually entirely out of the picture. That's a mistake.
2: (laughs) Well, in other news, and in a state that is much more uh, pro-marijuana, Stanford University is teaching, uh, and the title of this class is Experimental Operating Systems Class. In which they are actually teaching students relevant things. Like? Well, so instead of using have to do C, they're pot. using Rust. And they start with, like, what is an OS? What is the shell? How does, like, GPIO work? And then from there, they go to like, talk about disk IO, how processes schedule, how memory allocation works. And then they go into things like synchronization, networking, uh-huh. and virtual machines. You don't have, yeah, they're, and... Everything yet you actually need to know about an operating system, instead of just learning page tables and how processes and threads work,
0: that has, doesn't have anything to do with what we were talking about.
1: If you're going to do I'm, a quick transition on this show, you got to plug Eric's QuickTransition
0: dot com. Thank you. Oh, sorry. I have, but, to, I have to buy quicktrans Actually, no one's going to remember that because this thing was on the top of the show. It was. I, thought, like, I know, but you it. got it. it's the re, you got to you have to do it in the before and the after. And the, I had a thing about pot. Well, what was your it, thing? It flowed great. It was in the state of California what' was fun- your thing about pot Tyler
1: I've heard funny stories about pot deliverance and stuff like that uh one one guy that uh, I had a friend who would get pot delivered from another friend and uh, uh like mm-hmm. they busted him and they 'll call like all the the people that were receiving pot with, from an unknown number and it really sketched me out about unknown numbers and then uh, another interesting story I heard was at one time like someone got pot delivered and then it just it, it was really delayed in the mail like a, like a week or two delayed. And so it sat on their doorstep, and they just left it there for, like, I guess, like, a, a few days. And they finally, like, brought it in and, like, they just kicked it in with their foot. And once they kicked it in with their foot, like, a van opened up, and there were guys from, from drug Bus sitting out there. They had the joint cased.
0: That was a good story, Tyler. Thank you. The moral of the story is don't mail drugs or do illegal substances. Well, know
1: what you're doing if you're going to do it.
0: Yeah, don't get caught. Anyway. uh, (laughs) Yes, all right. Settle down, guys. All right. Um, Yeah, that's... uh, Yeah. Anyway. uh, Last thing off the top is that um, uh, we lost a multi-million dollar spy satellite. And nobody knows where it is. Because it's classified. And it's supposed to be secret anyway. Was one of the... Spice there Girls taken. talk about it. Well, what a classified spy satellite manufactured by Northrop Grumman uh, and launched by SpaceX appears to have gone missing after launching from Cape Canaveral earlier this week. And this is, this story is brought to us by friend of the show Brendan Byrne, host of the Are We There Now? Are you are you are we there yet? What is it? Are we there Are We There Yet? Sorry, Brendan. Are We There Yet podcast, and he's also WMFE NPR ninety point seven Orlando's best NPR station in Orlando, Central Florida area. Space reporter. Uh anyway. So there's a spy satellite that went missing and it has a code name Zuma. Not Zumba, but Zuma. Uh it was a late addition to SpaceX's launch schedule and was originally slated to blast off back in November. And I don't know. There's just a lot of missing stuff. Uh, 24 hours after the launch, aerospace reporters Eric Berger at Ars Technica and Peter B. De- DeSelding at SpaceNews.com began reporting that the payload might be lost. But there's no official confirmation from the U.S. government because it's classified anyway like they're going to tell you. <laughs> so, uh, the president of Northrop Grummond, I think... Uh... Oh, sorry, no President uh, Gwynne Shotwell from SpaceX Fired back at early reports that SpaceX was to blame She says, for clarity After all review of data uh, to date Falcon 9 did everything correctly on Saturday night If we or others find otherwise Based on further review, we will report it immediately She said in an email Information that is published to the contrary to the statement Is categorically false Due Due to the classified nature of the payload No further comment is possible Fake news so you, are you saying that we actually did launch it, and they're, or they're creating the story? No, I'm to, saying she's calling it fake news. Oh, she's calling it fake news. Ah, gotcha. Okay, From well that's a that, lot. Hit up oh, YouTube. <laughs> that's right. Oh, there's ah, there's so much stuff to get to. Like the White House doesn't know how to use the mute button. Uh, the guy that uh, created that internal Google memo, uh, his career is over. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Nah, no.
1: Like it, like it's a pretty hot
0: topics, right? topic. It, got, it is like, a pretty... It got even hotter
1: since like the Weinstein stuff.
0: I know, and the thing is, is he just says that women with their small brains shouldn't be using computers, and that's wrong. That's they some should be no. 1950s. I know, ridiculous. No, <laughs> that's, that's back, not what back he's then, saying. Women were, were, were using computers more often than men. That's not what That's not what he's saying. What he's that's saying, he's, 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 he's saying what Christian actually joked about months ago, weeks ago, which was, when are the white males, straight white males, going to sue for being offended? Well, here you go. After posting a memo in August to an internal Google message board arguing that women may not be equally represented in tech because they are biologically less capable of engineering... Oh, my God. It's hard to even read. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Has, has filed... <laughs> I mean, no. Uh, has, <laughs> they're not. Come on, has, dude. <laughs> has filed a class action lawsuit against a company in Santa Clara Superior Court in Northern California. His claims... Google unfairly discriminates against white men whose political views are unpopular with its ag- executives. Uh, uh, James Damore is joined in the 161 page suit by another former Google engineer named David Geidman. They sp- uh, sp- uh, he spent three years working with Google on a query engine. According to Guidman's LinkedIn profile, he left the company in de- December 2016 and has been self-employed or unemployed since. The lawsuit filed by the Dilly Law Group says that it aims to represent all employees of Google who have been discriminated against due to their, per- uh, quote, perceived conservative political views by Google or due to their, de- their male gender by Google and due to their Caucasian race. More. Well,
2: what I will say is, it is published knowledge that uh, a f- uh, female uh, uh, at the same position in Google as as a male actually makes more. But
0: okay, well, then, like, if you complain about that, the senior, that, then the senior they level call you a Nazi make I'm sure.
2: More, but the, the if you're like a mid level engineer and you're a woman, you're making more actually.
0: Okay, let's stay well, on tiptoes here, boys. Yeah, this is a gotta this, tighten the belt. This Put is a hot in. subject. Yeah. Mind your words. I'm sweating. It is definitely not. uh, More uh, specific. I'm sweating
1: from the heat, and we're tiptoeing around most things.
0: Yeah, this is is very heavy, but. More specifically, it accuses Google of singling out, mistreating, and systematically punishing and terminating employees who, quote, expressed views deviating from the majority view at Google on political subjects raised in the workplace and relevant to Google's unemployment policy, or, sorry, Google's employment policies and its businesses, such as, quote, diversity hiring, bias sensitivity, or social justice. The, law, the lawsuit is sinking monetary, non-monetary, and punitive damages." Google said it fired Demore for violating its code of conduct and advancing, quote, harmful gender stereotypes in our workplace. Demore, meanwhile, began a, a kind of press tour, denouncing the company for being closed-minded and worse. In an interview with CNBC, for example, he compared being a conservative to Google to being gay in the 1950s. Well, he managed to get one thing from the 50s. Now, what's interesting is yeah. um, that there's another lawsuit that's been filed against Google. In September, three female former Google employees filed a lawsuit saying that it discriminates against women. Uh, the Google, they say that Google pays women, allegedly, at all levels of the company less than men, as well as assigns them lower job tiers with less op- upward mobility. Now, Christian, you literally just said that was wrong. Uh, well,
2: based on uh, the greenhouse, it was actually uh, showing that former employees – not greenhouse. Uh, Glassdoor. Glassdoor. Uh, that former employees at like the, the mid-level uh, range, if they were female, were making on average 20,000 more than men.
0: Okay, well, I, I can't, this is, this is uh, I know I like saying, and I like antagonizing, but I don't want to do it with this. Next. Yeah, no, this
2: is, this is one. Uh, just take the facts and walk away. Yeah,
0: I got it. I don't... I'll just say this. I don't believe that women have a... Has a biologically less inferior ability uh, to engineer as compared I, to men. I, I mean,
2: I feel like nobody's actually saying that, though. That's sept- what he said!
0: Except that guy. Oh, he
2: actually said that? Yeah. I, well,
0: unless... It, unless <laughs> oh. I mean, well, it, it's in the memo and it's worded a very specific way. The problem is... Wait, is this
2: the guy with the, the Google memo? a while yes, yeah. yes, this is him. Oh, oh. And
0: that's why I said, because of this, because of the memo, and because of now this lawsuit, he's going to be flipping burgers next year.
2: I thought this was a different guy. No, no
1: it's the same he's going to be a motivational no, I, speaker in the oh, conservative party, and then he's going to be I, a political pun- guy.
0: See, no. I, I,
2: thought, I thought this was a guy who was just suing Google because of uh, he had conservative viewpoints, but if he was the one who wrote the memo... He it, wrote the memo. Yeah, I'm, I... Ooh. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah he's going to be a politician.
0: Oh yeah, I know all about the FCC That was the wrong drop uh, <laughs> it, uh, it was supposed to be And then we move on to the next thing Yeah. Anyway Because um, we don't have anything on the FCC today And I need an excuse to use that uh. Okay Anyway uh, Wow, we spent and- a lot of time on the top of the show. But you know, I think it's because I warned you. you warned me, but the year we had a lull for most of December through the holidays. There was like nothing going on. And now everyone's back to work, everyone's doing their thing, and now we've got a lot of work to do, too. And because it's uh what is it? I don't know. But that's why it's time for our ah, Where is it? Oh my god. This is horrible. I don't know what happened. Okay. Start over. Uh, When I have the right words to say, I can hit the jingle on time because it's time for our... New York Minute. Where we take a look at your five boroughs. And this is going to be really short because I know that we're short on time. I wanted to talk about... Uh, Well, first, actually, before what I wanted to talk about, you guys went to an NYC Mesh uh, meetup on Thursday. You want to talk about that?
2: Sure. Um, So, uh, Tyler and I and a couple friends went. Did you get uh, seats? I did. I did. It was pretty did. full. They got a good thing full. going. Do you think that if like, I, I they, wasn't they, able they, to
0: RSVP, do you think I'd be able to get in? Yeah. No. No, oh, yeah.
1: It's
0: um, uh, so what did they talk about.
2: York, uh, it was like the state of like where they are, and a lot of it seemed like, oh, they've got a great community around this. But from a technical standpoint, they've got a lot. Like, uh, they said they had a, a lot of work ahead. I gather that they have way more work ahead than they're saying, they're saying they are. Sure. And like. I I asked the question that they really didn't like because of the point of the huge vlog.
0: And the question was.
2: Well, basically, I can just ping the broadcast address, get a list of IPs that are stored in the ARP, so I have to read from the ARP to get them. But after I do that, I can just do anything I want to these IP addresses. I can just start sending traffic to them and start attacking people on the mesh.
0: Now, how do you protect against that on a normal router?
2: Well, so it's not so much the router, it's much just the way the network is set up where you have your internal local network, which is actually much uh, more similar to the mesh. And then you have the outward uh, uh, local, uh, your ISP's uh, local network that then goes out to uh, your uh, the internet. And that's where they want to be, but then they become like an ISP, and then you have these issues, like you have these neighborhoods. The idea is that they're going to move to these neighborhood issues, and it's like, well, you still have that issue in the neighborhood then, and like, you can just put your home router in front of that, and I guess that works, but then you have so many hops before you actually get the internet, and you start creating latency.
0: Yes. But, I mean, basically, it sounds like NYC Mesh is just going to be, I mean, you, it sounds like you would be able to find everyone's IP addresses because it's an ad hoc wireless network. Yep. So without some kind of centralizing hardware and infrastructure, which I believe they're probably morally against or philosophically well, against they with this exercise. they do have centralized hardware.
2: Have, uh, I'm sorry? They have, they do have uh, centralized hardware. Too. Oh. Uh, and uh, it's... It, it's a little weird that they call uh, there's two super nodes when really there's only one super node with internet access.
0: Interesting. What defines and, a super node exactly?
2: Uh, these are just uh, like further uh, further distance, uh, like larger range uh, uh, nodes in the network, except for the super node one also happens to be plugged into a internet exchange, so it has uh, basically the equivalent of tier one internet access.
0: Ah. Gotcha. So that means then that the internet bandwidth is really shared across everybody on NYC Mesh. Yep. And also creates a bottleneck on the network, which if targeted by an attacker could really mess up everything.
2: Well, it doesn't create a bottleneck. The, the well, when accessing the internet, in it does. It, protect, doesn't it? It, no, in order to protect against an attacker... attacker. The way that they want to, it'll create a bottleneck in that you have these local meshes that then are meshed into the larger uh, citywide mesh. And uh, then you have another hub, and then if you really want to actually protect yourself, you gotta put a home router in front of it, and that's just another hub from your computer. So you have to go to, uh, from your computer to your router to your local mesh to the, the city mesh, and then God to the internet. Which and then it is how would like, you get your router that, that to is cooperate like, uh, with uh, the wireless uh, uh, mesh? You know, but what was that?
0: And then how how would you get your uh, router to cooperate with the wireless mesh when also serving out Wi-Fi to you?
2: It's like how your router works. You have the... the well, you have, I mean, if it's doing a
0: wireless bridge, it's going to be really lousy for bandwidth. Then. No, that's
2: not what this is doing. Okay. It's, it's, it's a mesh. It's totally different. So you have the, uh, your ubiquity thing, because it has to be ubiquity based on the firmware that they're running. that uh, is actually par- the, the r- routing in the mesh, and then you take your home router and you plug it into there. That's like plugging into your modem.
0: Hmm. Ah, something happened. Something happened. It's that operator.
1: That uh, guy pushing the buttons and all the sound effects today.
0: I think this I think this cable is look at listen to that. Oh boy. Yeah, that seems like a bad cable. You you like these it. are new cables. Hotel. You got a bad cable. These are all the cables, you know what? I also had a bad cable that connects I'm using for monitoring. Uh that connects my headphones to my computer to do the recording. You should learn how to build your own cables. These cables are a month yeah. old.
1: Yeah. You can get way cheaper, way better
0: quality cables. Like, you go to Monoprice, but they don't have Amazon Prime. This is the last time I'm buying cables from Amazon. Actually, you know what? Amazon, don't buy cables from Amazon or Amazon-branded cables because Amazon-branded cables are responsible for my old iPad that has the cracked screen uh, because it came apart and then sucked to the magnet underneath the iPad and it fell off the standing cracked screen. And now these cables are just going bad after a month. It's a piece of copper and some insulation. How hard is it to make? Jeez.
2: Actually a really good cable takes some craftsmanship that you can do
0: yourself. Okay. Well, they need to step it up. Or they're brilliant because the cables break immediately after you can stop returning them for free. Anyway. Huh. Alright. Anything else on NYC mesh? Nah. Good. Then you know what? Let's just keep moving on because we've got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh top reads for this week. Do we need some music for top reads?
2: I, I I actually kind of liked do, uh, doing it with that
0: music. Really, it's a, it's a little more appropriate. You don't you You're don't about like... reading. No, anything but that. Yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't oh, hey I'll, hey I'll... hey, don't say anything but that because you know what that could mean. The strip club music. Oh, even better. Oh no. No. Anyway, mm. all right. So, what are your top reads for this week?
2: Uh, all right. So, first one: system performance, uh, enterprise in the cloud. By Brendan Gregg. Uh, it is a great book to learn how to scale things and how to performance debug things. Okay. Uh, it's really interesting for programmers. Uh, second one would be Tribal Leadership by Dave Logg, John King, and Haley Fisher right? And that one is about uh, management. Uh, I, I came across that one from uh, my previous manager recommended it to me as I was leaving the company.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Haley and, Fisher Wright. The way that you said it was like, comma, right? Question mark? Oh. <laughs> so. No.
2: Uh, so it's just a really good one about, like, how natural groups and, like, uh, like a way to, uh, uh,
0: lead through, uh, the natural flow of things. And, uh, yeah. and then your last book is something that's actually, I think it's, a, a little old now. He needs a new edition of this. And I
2: think it, it's great for someone like you who d- does, like, the design stuff.
0: But I read the, <laughs> the design from 2005, when I, when I read this book, by the way. Well, so it's Don't Make Me Think by Steve Krug. Yes. Or Krug. Krug. I don't know. Whatever. But, uh...
2: So that one it's about uh, The idea of like When you're designing software Don't make the user think It should be really simple
0: You know who Really needs to read this book?
2: You? The (laughs) engine
0: No I already I told you I already read it Ten years ago When it was new No The people that need to read the book are the people at Apple They need to relearn How to to design things So scroll bars don't go away The number of clicks Between interactions and events Are measured And stuff like that They've lost Their way Anyway We'll save that for later
1: This looks apple time.
0: No, I don't want to blow it just yet. So, all right, anything else on the top reads? Nope. All right, well, because it's Sunday night, that means it's time for our GitHub issue of the week. Our first GitHub issue of the week comes to us from System D. System D is the init system that ships with most Linux distros. Take it away, Christian. Sure, so in this
2: one, Uh, The issue is there's a unit test in system D that you run before you actually ship it every single time, and it's failing when you have IPv6 routing advertisements, so it's like, hey, I've got this route in my routing table, and it's IPv6 instead of IPv4, which uh, is a totally different type of IP address. Right. And the unit test is failing on that. Did they not and allocate they,
0: enough memory for the v6 address? Or?
2: No, the issue is it's actually just in the test not being read as an, a, an advertisement, and it should be. So the idea is like, hey, this thing should just be the same thing as an IPv4. And why that isn't it? The solution. Uh, it just hasn't been supported yet. Uh, I imagine when the test was written, IPv4 was much more uh, prevalent, and IPv6 was still like a... a, a, a accepted idea, like it it was around, but uh, it's only like in the last few years that IPv6 has become really important.
0: Really? Because even when Don't Make Me Think came out, people were talking about IPv6. Oh
2: yeah, no, it's been around for
0: a while, but now it's
2: uh, important in the sense that like, there's only a handful of public IP addresses left in IPv4, so at a certain point those IPv4s are going to go away entirely. At this point, it's actually like the ones that if people actually do get public IPv4 it's uh being given as somebody just uh leased it away Uh, of course the cloud uh i love talking about that in such a vague term but uh, there is uh, no cloud
0: it's just someone else's computer
2: yeah right so it's amazon google's digital oceans whoever anyway but uh so that's actually just part of the ipv ip range that you're given so after a while though uh, places like google amazon uh the company i work for we all have to get IPv6 because there's just no more IPv4 left. And then you, uh, if you're on, like, the cloud, you'd get an a, a IP out of an IPv6 range instead.
0: Ah. And it looks like... Uh, I mean, it looks like there are very, very few uh, IPv4 uh, slash 8 addresses left. Yep. Very few. Very few. In fact, we should have run out of them in 2011, but because of the geniuses in technology... We haven't. It's like the story of Hanukkah, but for the internet. <laughs> anyway, <laughs>
2: we're gonna let we're gonna lay a hard drive activity light every night that it that lasts.
0: Exactly. <gasps> all right. Well, anything else? Nope. Good. Moving on to our next GitHub issue of the week. Our second GitHub issue of the week comes to us from Weave. Deny all policy not working.
2: So Weave is sort of an SDN. It's not an SDN in the sense that it's using, like, a tunnel or DevTap. But it's uh, uh, routing traffic uh, throughout your uh, cluster, usually for um, uh, a containerized environment, probably Kubernetes. And the idea is uh, the user's trying to deny traffic to a certain namespace. So say they have, like, production and staging, and they just want to cut off all the traffic going to staging. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. And uh, the issue is actually the fact that they're using the legacy network policy that's no longer supported, so they just need to actually update how to use it.
0: Ah, gotcha. Be
2: solved. Yeah.
0: Uh, It's pretty, pretty simple. Is that it? Yep. Yep. Cool. Moving on to our next GitHub issue of the week. Our third GitHub issue of the week comes to us from our favorite, our favorite JavaScript library, React. Wrong render output when chi- when children has text node I feel like we've read this before I know it's new But yet I feel like we've still read it It's probably happened before is the sure. issue I think There was something about No, that one was internationalization Something about text nodes
2: Oh, Lion 8 something-
0: I, Yeah, I don't know yeah. um, Anyway There seems to be a bug in React When child node has text node It does not render the correct output uh, And then they gave a JS fiddle. Link. Expected output is hello 12, hello 21, hello 12, but react rendered hello 21, hello 12, hello 21. Sounds like it's invoking it before the DOM is rendered. Mm. I don't know if this is actually the bug description that the guy wrote. I bet that he might be invoking whatever he's doing uh, in the wrong lifecycle method. What do you think?
2: Uh, I haven't touched React in two years now. Okay, but uh, yeah, okay, (laughs) it's great. You
0: love saying that you've never touched the things I do every day, but the thing is, is that it says, look at the look at the output. Christian, I mean, expected output yeah. twelve twenty one twelve, and then it just has it backwards. And I feel like it's just doing another flip operation before it, it renders.
2: Yeah, it looks like they're just like calling flip, and there's like one that might have called, been called before, and they weren't expecting it, or something. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Rendered output is not matching console log, and I've had that happen a couple times because when the, the console log is is temporal, there are, th- there are some kind there's some kind of hook that expires. Where it's not always a hundred percent coincidence between what you see on the screen and the console log. I know that sounds crazy, but it, it, it's happened, which makes sense. Why this guy is saying, person is saying, rendered output is not matching the console log. Uh, I'm. Yeah, I bet it's using the right lifecycle method. Yes, it's expected. Yes, it's expected. See console.log or use debugger for incorrect behavior. Hmm. The extra. Oh, okay. Then the last person says the extra text makes it rendered differently. I mean here I'll click on the JS fiddle. Oh no, I don't want to debug this on the air. We've got <laughs> we don't have time for this. Next <laughs> next time for our last GitHub issue of the week. The last GitHub issue of the week comes to us from also Facebook. This is their RocksDB. DB. Rocks D B do not well in parallel with write, read, and close. Wow, this is uh, not written well. Anyway.
2: Well, you know, not everybody on GitHub speaks English.
0: Uh, judging by this guy's handle, L- LWJYQJYKN.
2: Yeah. That's the guy just sat on the keyboard, well, it? picking a name. Well, and <laughs> while
0: writing a GitHub issue, apparently. What's this one about?
2: So, uh, this one, they're using the Java bindings for RocksDB, which we didn't even really describe what RocksDB is, so I guess. Oh,
0: okay. What is RocksDB?
2: RocksDB is an embeddable key value store from Facebook based off of Google's LevelDB, which the idea is you have like these copy-on-write levels of the tree. And it's using an LSM tree data structure, which is write-optimized, and uh, it's a little heavier on the reads. And it can uh, store both in memory and on the disk, and it's optimized for flash storage, so like a traditional SSD.
0: Right. How is this different from something like Redis?
2: So Redis is a actual... Um, process one it doesn't get embedded into another process and two it's not using an lsm tree it's actually using a b plus tree for its key value ah which is read optimized gotcha and it has other data structures as well
0: okay Okay. um
2: and it's also single-threaded
0: but apparently RocksDB oh sorry, that's you mean Redis is single threaded. Yes. Uh but with all of the multi threading capabilities, apparently RocksDB does not uh D B well in parallel.
2: <laughs> well, so the issue is actually uh in, in the Java bindings, uh, it seems like the user is sharing the wrong uh object. Where if you, uh so I've been dabbling with RocksDB myself this past weekend. Oh. And uh, I've been doing it in C plus plus though. And as long as you're just passing around the database object itself, it seems just fine doing concurrent writes. Uh, concurrent reads as well seems fine. Uh, you do want to open up transactions and not just read and write, but it does okay.
0: Okay. So what do you okay. suggest this person do?
2: Uh, use transactions, one. And two, use the, the right op- Don't share this, like, writer and reader object. Share the DB object.
0: Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well after our GitHub issues, it's always time for Tyler's Ones. Our PulverQuest Plus One's to where we send out well wishes and acknowledgement of awesomeness to people and other organizations. Who's our first plus one this week, Tyler? First one goes to Fox Television Network.
1: Fox.
0: Wow, you don't hear that song. You
1: don't, but Fox Television Network—the one thing they're really good for—is their content. And in this case, they renewed Cosmos for a second season.
0: Kramer has a spinoff now. <laughs> no. Actually, he did get get,
2: get a spinoff just to do that up special right before it aired,
0: Oh, so I remember that. Off. And the spinoff yeah. was all horrible too. Anyway, he was in Cosmos. Well, uh, Cosmos getting Tyler.
2: Getting Cosmos
1: is the uh, world around Neil deGrasse Tyson. Previously oh, done by Carl Cosmos. Sagan.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was reading it like cosmopolitan, cosmos, like not. Oh. <laughs> no, cosmos. No, you awesome know what, Eric's been spending week doing. <laughs> the, the first Cosmos, uh, which is where Neil deGrasse Tyson stands in front of a green screen for twenty hours a year, then came out five years ago, four years ago, something like that. It was a long time ago, but I'm glad to see another season. <laughs> Pretty awesome show. Yeah. All Always right. a good time. Next plus one.
1: Next plus one goes to the Bitflip Trading Simulator.
0: Interesting. Yeah. What is Bitflip?
1: Bitflip is a application that got hot this week, a little viral thanks to Product Hunt. Um, what it does is it helps inundate people who don't know how to trade and buy a virtual uh, cryptocurrency uh, in, in a simulated environment. So that, that way, you know, they get the feet wet and they don't have to use real money.
0: Comments? Cool. <laughs> I haven't played with it. It would be... I mean... We we can talk about cryptocurrency more later. Uh, I'll have to take a look at this. Sure. Um,
1: Okay. Uh, What's your next plus one? For real, but uh, yeah, a lot of people don't. know You know, the
0: app actually looks kind of cool. Has a nice interface. It's a great way to lose money really quickly. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Moving on.
1: Uh, Number three goes to as you've all probably seen if you have social media that employs images. This week, uh, Google put out a new tool that lets you find your doppelganger of famous art pieces.
0: Ooh, yeah! Very fun times. Famous People,
1: I don't have one yet. I haven't looked it up, but uh, you know, all the guys with beards will find bearded old kings and stuff in paintings. And <laughs>
2: I'm trying to find the link to the actual uh, software. And I can't
0: find it. They gave me a, a painting of a tropical bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, toucan! I, I didn't know that. Yeah, know, it could be my yeah, great guy toucan. Anyway, all right. uh... And then the last <laughs> plus one that I stole is actually a minus one and it goes to Dan Harmon because of sexual harassment. That's been our plus ones! Anyway. There's a, a lot of tenuous, sticky situations to uh, avoid. Use
1: the word sticky for this. <laughs> He's the word sticky.
0: Yeah, uh, you, know, you can't the use the word sticky is, when...
1: How do we know if we ever really know the truth?
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, well, what is it uh,
2: Like in the case of Dan Harmon, he he admitted. Uh, same thing with uh, T J Miller. T J Miller, yeah, is one that sounds really.
1: We
0: know the answer uh, with Louis C K. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Louis C K admitted it. Uh, I, mean, there's,
2: I mean, Louis C K kind of just talked about it openly for years, and now it only became a thing. Yeah,
0: you know, I mean, there, I think there's two sure. ways to go. You either say, "Yeah, I did it," or "No, I didn't." And the problem with saying "No, I didn't" is that they may be lying, and there's no way. To, to, to have to defend yourself against that, even if you're in the right, is something that no one ever wants to be in a position to do. And, I don't know, but good luck watching Rick and Morty now, because you're just supporting his sexual harassment, I guess. I don't know. I, I it doesn't have to be hard. true. I wouldn't go that far either, but the future base of the... Uh, Stop myself. Many leftists would. Anyway, after our abolition... No, I'm wow. This is what happens. I get two worked up when we talk about politics. I'm just all over the place. Don't know what's going we, on. We know. We've this is I know. This is why they let you
1: rent, vent about Apple and stuff instead of politics.
0: Exactly. And that's why it's time for our Apple attack. Where we take a nice little on Apple. It's called a poop the emoji, first- Eric. Exactly. Poop emoji. Uh, iPods are no more. That's right. The ubiquitous media consumption device that's been the hallmark of the millennial generation has been removed from stores last week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, I mean, they, Apple stopped the hard drive iPods a little while ago. I think that was back in 2012. And then you were relegated to using the Flash-based uh, media, which couldn't hold as many songs. I, the iPods, the original iPods, were able to hold up to 120 gigs worth of stuff. But I guess now you can get a 256-gigabyte iPhone. That's something. Yeah, that'll um, work. Exactly. As long as Apple uh, doesn't iPod- keep putting so much software on there. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I mean, you keep updating iOS and uh, you're not going to have any space left. But the thing is, is that, uh, I mean, the iPod itself was, a, the, the original, the hard drive iPods were really a marvel of technology because they had to find a hard drive that was small enough. It was not a laptop hard drive, and it was not quite a desktop hard drive. It had to be small enough and light enough, but still big enough to hold the space. And they man- they managed to find one, uh, and, it, and it started a new media revolution. And that revolution is over. Uh, and that's yeah. Um, I'll, Apple quietly pulled the iPod Nano and Shuffle out of virtual stores today. The iPod Touch, however, is the only iPod that still lives on, but it's basically just an iPhone without a cell modem. Uh, so now we have no more AOL Instant Messenger and no more iPods in 2018. Or MS Paint? Oh, I guess that or was MS, last year. no. They brought no. They still have MS Paint. Oh yeah, they, they didn't take it away. Made it come back. Yeah, and there's Paint 3D now too. So. Uh, here's the real Apple attack, though. The Bye Bye iPods was kind of just, uh, uh, something for my heart. But, so this will give me a heart attack. Uh, Someone ran performance benchmarks on iPhones that have been patched for these nasty Spectre exploits. And Meltdown, or I guess this is just, uh, Spectre. Guess what? Um I've got into some arguments with some people recently about the performance difference ab- before and after these patches and P- and someone said who is a major Apple fanboy by the way and listens to the show uh who I appreciate uh but said oh there's no no performance decrease really uh how about 40% how about 50% the overall bench- performance benchmark scores on an iPhone 6 with iOS 11.1.2 uh there was a 40% change after updating Spectre. After updating for Spectre from iOS 11.1.2 to
2: 11.2.2. Well, just wait for later in the show and we dive into other.
0: Exactly. But the thing is, is they always love to say when they wheel out these iPhones that they're twice as fast as the old phones. So now this is, the next iPhone is going to be twice as fast as this phone that's now 40% slower than the 50% slower it already was because the battery is old. So you have this phone that's six months, a year, two years old. It's now half the speed because the battery's old. And now it's going to be half of that because of the Spectre update. Beautiful. Thank you, Apple. And that's been our Apple attack. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I don't think Theresa made did any murdering this week, so we can skip that segment. Um, oh, I was going to... Uh, I was going to get some... Anyway, I was going to get some different music for our... Uh, You know, because anyway.
2: (laughs) So I I just did the uh, face app thing. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. And,
2: uh, I think the first one is Elvis. What? Yeah, I think I'm pretty. I'm not. You
0: know, we might we might have to all do this together because I'm not going (laughs) to let you just. Wow! I got Elvis and George Clooney. How how is it? No, I'm gonna I use got, this um, up every day. <laughs> this
2: <laughs> I got a portrait. I got a portrait of a guy with a mustache. One. Uh, I got uh, a Keanu Reeves look-alike. Um, they. The, no. I, I got the guy who's like the uh, the gentleman meme. You know, the, like the uh, the turns, most like, interesting uh, man in the world. With, no, the sl- the slang terms that are t- uh, turned into old time English. Oh, uh, okay. no, with
0: like a top hat and a smoking a, a cigarette holder.
2: Sorta, of, yeah. And then yeah, the, so the first one I got that's a forty seven percent match is definitely Elvis.
0: Mm-hmm. Christian, you're just talking about yourself again.
2: No, I I'm saying. Why I don't the app we that talk we about, about
0: something that you love to do in our cryptocurrency connection? That's right. A CEO of a porn cryptocurrency that exists disappears with investor money. A cryptocurrency built for watching live streaming porn is turning out to be a buzzkill. Sorry, Christian. Four investors in a digital currency called Fantasy Market claimed last week that its shadowy CEO disappeared with their money and has not refunded all their investment despite repeated requests. The alleged inability of investors to trade out of the Fantasy Market tokens or FM tokens... they could have had a better, punnier name for that. Could stand as a warning to all investors in the red-hot crypto coin market. Jonathan Lucas, the brains behind FM Token, was aiming to raise as much as $25 million last year, according to the white paper. Um, Yeah, but they're not. He disappeared. Uh, Jonathan Lucas, most likely an alias, has scammed us and run off with the cryptocurrency. It is, not, it is unclear how close Lucas got to his $25 million fundraising goal. However, he told a reporter in November that he'd raised less than $2 million. Bold strategy. It is. Now, here, here's the question I have, or one of many questions. I have a new question each week about cryptocurrency. The way that I see this going is every service is paid in its own currency. Right? So if if there's a live streaming service that you have to pay for, then you use their currency to do it. You'd have to use an exchange that supports their currency and it introduces a new layer, in, a completely unnecessary layer in monetary transactions where you have to exchange your general purpose money for service-specific money, which then incurs a transaction fee and an exchange fee and then obviously is subject to the exchange rate at the time. Like, imagine if... You had to pay your electric or your electricity bill in Con Ed dollars. And you had to pay your gas bill in national grid dollars. How annoying would that be? Then those exchange rates, Con Ed dollars to the dollar, constantly changing. So your cool electricity if I could bill get arbitrage
1: is arbitrage and like, you know, if it was ha- if it costs half as much to pay it in Bitcoin, relatively speaking, then
0: it's not about no, but it's not about that. It was it's about it's about not paying in a cryptocurrency, it's about having to pay for every service in its own in its own currency that can only be used for that service.
1: Yeah, I guess that's annoying.
0: So then it, you'd have to exchange your dollars for Con Ed dollars. Will you use all of the Con Ed dollars that you now have to pay your electric bill that may also be fluctuating with the fluctuating exchange rate? You see what I'm saying? This is like way too many variables to just pay a bill, to just buy something, to just pay somebody $5. Now you have to adopt their whole currency and their whole philosophy. And I don't give a crap.
1: I don't know. Calm down. Next,
0: next. Well, we already talked about Kodak and their fa- the soon-to-be failed cryptocurrency. When Kodak just gets into you're not cryptocurrency, doing super good on
1: the market. Just calm
0: down. This is <laughs> this is like no. When they get into cryptocurrency, it's like your parents uh, doing something that you like to do, and now suddenly it's no longer cool. Um, I hear you. Yeah, and that's it, really. Um. I think I think my I think uh I'm losing money again in cryptocurrency. I can hear it. You can hear it. <laughs> you can hear the sound of me just losing losing money. Here, let's take a quick look at uh at Coinbase as I You don't
1: even want to do that. The rest of the show no. is not
0: going to go well. Oh, uh, no. Just it's, stop. <laughs> it's not. No, and the thing is is that I don't think I don't think Bitcoin can really sustain a five-figure price yeah because
1: ether's going to take a lot of that
0: money. Uh, no, it already has this in the last week or so uh, ethereum's at thirteen seventy eight right now bitcoin's at th- thirteen thousand seven twenty it's all uh, Bitcoin is almost worth exactly ten times uh as much as yeah, ethereum I
1: think they'll even out and they'll both be worth like seven thousand in the next year,
0: possibly, but i need to I might have to get out of Bitcoin, but you know, like I said, I am death, I am poison, I am deflation. You will see Bitcoin break twenty thousand as soon as I get out of it.
1: Christian, let's and watch for that.
0: Watch for that. And join us next week when we find out. Uh, listen to what
1: Eric tells us he sold.
0: Exactly. Uh, listen, it already some of my friends are already taking my anti-investment advice, and uh, they've made a lot of money. <laughs> what can I tell you? There's a cryptocurrency Cardano that I got involved in a few uh, uh, last week yeah. and that already tanked. And then as soon as I got out, it went up 20%. Everything Wonderful. did that last week. Everything I, uh, hit
1: an all-time high, and then tanked, and then went up again. And now it's coming it's the down again still.
0: It's the, it's the, uh... I don't want to hear about your sex life. Uh, no, I was just gonna play the, uh... Pump and dump music. <laughs> Alright. Sorry, I had to. I trying to... We find an excuse for that every show. You Which I, you I mean. think...
2: you find an excuse. for them. I, you say I we. call
0: that an accomplishment because nobody wants to listen to... I, I do. Nobody yeah. wants to listen to... I really do. But I, fi- figuring out how to crowbar into every episode is really wonderful. Anyway, uh, so we talked about James Damore, whose career is over because he wrote that uh, memo about Google and about women and their, quote, inferior brains. And uh, then is now suing them. Well... There's another person who uh, has met Google's wrath recently. Uh, he works for a think tank, or used to work for a think, a think tank in D.C., and he was fired because of politics. Let's hear it from our news department. money on presents, news to you, Washington, D.C. It's generally a bad idea to piss off the people who pull the first strings. Whether you're a freelance artist, employee at a government entity, or someone who works for a think tank funded by a giant corporation. One such person made this critical mistake. Barry Lynn, part of New America's open markets team, wanted the EU's $2.7 billion fine levied against tech giant Google. Google's former CEO, Eric Schmidt, was a lofty contributor to the New America, giving the think tank $21 million since 1999, along with Google. Schmidt remained the chairman for a New America until 2016. After the statement by Mr. Lynn was published and quickly removed from New America's website, so was he. Schmidt apparently personally complained to New America's current chair, Miss Anne-Marie Slaughter, who probably gave her name probably gave her namesake to Mr. Lynn's career. While denying that criticizing Google was the reason behind the acts, it seems like an otherwise transparent move made by a corporate bureaucrat colluding with an institution that it's supposed to be keeping honest. And so many Americans are afraid of what happens next. We at least know the world still turns the truth, marches on. And that's why this has been News to Use. Brought to you by Pneumonium. Google has majorly invested in think tanks... On both sides, to try to influence legislation and, and the government and the global political happenings. Um, and this isn't good. I, I think Google is starting to get into an image problem. Because everyone wants Google money. They're like IBM at this point. And they always, if Google's going to give you money, don't you think it's going to be good? Don't you think those dollars are going to be nice and clean and Something? No,
2: it's just any other company.
0: Well, I know, but people want to believe that Google say they say do no evil. They're doing a hell
1: of a lot better than Comcast for all they control.
0: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It could be worse. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Okay. Um, Yeah. And, 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 you know, just don't. Complain about the people that run the show If you are, let's say, PBS And you don't like the president And you spend a lot of time complaining about the president on television And then the president removes the funding for PBS <gasps> What a surprise Don't do it Don't bite the hand that feeds you but also, Even if the you hand know, is really tiny and orange But also anyway.
1: don't give in to completely ridiculous propaganda and, and,
0: yeah. Right <laughs> Right um, Okay Well why don't we take a quick break Quick tangent. And I am just all over the place Uh, because I haven't... I don't know where any of this stuff is. You're very confused lately. Very confused lately, yes. Let's take a quick break. (laughs) Stavron, do you live in New York City? Well, if you do, Pneumonium has a beautiful new product for you. It's called Where Am I? Your five-barrel compass navigator to help you get anywhere from Staten Island to the Bronx. Then they go to I and nyc location services on your mobile device to find the nearest neighborhood, borough, and free close to subway stops to you, wherever you are. No ads, no tracking, just geospatial brilliance. That's Where Am I? Brought to you by Pneumonium. Numonium, reinventing media daily. Those breaks are always more work for me than they are for you. The thing is, is that I move the jingles around. And so now, the muscle memory is in a different spot. That sounds like TMI. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. But what I will say
2: about those, <laughs> about those uh, uh, promo ad things that you do, I had no idea you did those live until the time, or last After, after Dark episode. Are right. you
0: serious? But, uh, yeah. You can't hear minute differences every time I do it? Like, this time my voice no. cracked a little bit? No. Oh. I don't pay attention to that. I feel I, like... The the other thing that I do every time that does sound recorded are the uh, the GitHub issues. Yeah. No, really. no. Okay. No. no, I mean just the the me saying the uh, doing the jingle that doesn't sound recorded. No. No, I don't hear it. Well, then I don't know, Christian. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> there uh, is no pleasing you. <laughs> there is no pleasing mm-hmm. you. There, this is a part two. I take a smoke and a pancake. There man. we go. This is a second part. As we broke broke the hour mark, we're basically done already. Why don't we just?
2: Oh, thank God! All right, All right. All right. Lo- looks good show. to me. <laughs> See you guys next All right. week.
0: Bye. Good night, no.
2: Cleveland! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, now we're in the real part of the show. The part of the show that no one wants to do. No, the part of the show that really counts. That really matters. The meat. The main content. The sausage. The twig and berries. The, Sexy, okay.
1: kind of.
0: Exactly. Um, last week, we did an episode on two specific processor exploits, Meltdown and Spectre. Now, Christian, why don't you tell the wonderful audience what Meltdown and Spectre are?
2: Sure. So both of them are uh, attacks in the CPU that uh, rely on speculative execution. And so what that means is the CPU tries to guess the next uh, uh, group of instructions when it hits a conditional.
0: Yes. Yes. And so, whenever there's an if else, it loads both the if and the else into some yep. kind of cache.
2: Yep, and takes the correct one and leaves the old one. And so, the issue that these are is it's also an unprotected area of memory that uh, the, the, these two attack, these two attacks uh, rely on. And uh, so, meltdown uses uh, out of order execution, and Spectre, uh, Spectre has two. One of them is the uh, side cache buffer uh, attack, and the other uh, side channel. Sorry. Uh, and I forget the term for the other one, but branch target injection.
0: Smart. Yes, thank you. No problem. Um, yeah, and so the the first variant of Spectre and uh, meltdown are both cache poisoning. I think that's the best term to use. Uh, n- no, just you know. a side channel cache timing attack. Something I don't. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Um, so the, these exploits affect almost every. All right, well, it's almost every CPU, is it just Intel? Is it Intel and AMD? Is it Intel, well, AMD, and so ARM?
2: Melt, meltdown is Intel-specific, but Spectre, uh, basically every CPU in the last 10 years. Because uh, of the speculative of the execution. Spectrum. Yes.
0: And Meltdown is because of, of the what? Like the references in, in, to kernel memory? Or... Well,
2: also uh, because of speculative execution, but it's in the way that the in Intel's architecture is that that one can happen.
0: Ah, and like AMD uh, arrogantly said, we don't allow our processors to do that. Yep. So, but yet they still have a problem with Spectre, and yep. uh, from the news from Apple, it sounds like uh, all of your mobile devices might have a problem with Spectre, or all of our yep. devices. Oh, e- everything. Everything. Everything.
2: everything. As, long as, you're, as long as you're either running VMs or a browser, you absolutely have to be patched.
0: Now, now that's, that's the other thing. So, you said as long as you're not running... Well,
2: In any situation where you're running only trusted software, you know exactly what's going on in this software. Right. Then there's no reason to be patched. You're like, oh, this code isn't doing that
0: attack. Like, let's say you're a major presidential candidate and you have an email server in your basement. You're thinking, maybe I should patch my server, but then it'll be slower. No, you don't have to. Sorry.
2: Why'd you have to make that political?
0: Because that's where my mind was. We
2: we need to give Eric a timeout. We need to do a political show. go sit in the corner with your face in the corner. Actually, you know what? Eric, 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 go sit in the corner.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Anyway. um, Okay. So, uh, you know, I was actually auditioning for this political talk show, but they, I, don't think, I don't think I got in. Anyway, that would have allowed me to direct this energy somewhere else. So, uh, it looks like all processors in some way, shape, or form are affected by this exploit, and that in most cases we will have to patch our stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and I've already patched my stuff. It is, I had to overclock my desktop CPU to make up for it.
0: Okay, so why don't you tell it's us noticeable. your performance metrics...
2: So I uh, I just only uh, run htop, the, but uh, on, I happen to be currently developing a uh, uh, a profiler for CPU, memory, and I/O, and I know and this thing uses eBPF, which does uh, go and it it, it calls that uh, bit of code that hits that uh, barrier between user space and kernel space, and that's where this patch exists that slows everything down. So it was noticeably slower and more CPU intensive uh, to use the profiler now.
0: Huh? Well, what the, without uh, any code change? What Try... was the
1: patch? What did the patch entail? Was that a whole operating so, system upgrade, or what was that?
2: Yeah, it's it's a uh, you, you update your kernel, and with that, it's just uh, this barrier between kernel space and user space. Does now. it have a name? Uh, so. Uh, there's a few. There's uh, the kernel page table isolation
0: KPTI. We talked about that last episode.
2: There's Kaiser, which I forget to have it actually. Uh,
0: oh, Great. Uh, I, th- I was transport. I was I was leaning on you for that one, Christian, because I know the other one, which is KASL.
2: KASL has been around for a long time though. Okay. That one's that one's just been there, so that 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 doesn't affect that performance.
0: Okay. Very nice. Well, what is what is Kaiser? Anyway, uh, I'm blanking on Kaiser. Uh, anyway. address. address. We talked about this last week. I thought you know, cool. we had this. Uh, uh, as uh, In October, they noticed developers from major companies, including Intel, Amazon, and Google, were all suddenly interested in, an, in a new defensive redesign of operating systems called Kaiser that the Graz researchers had created. I uh, I don't know who they are. Anyway, we should have ah, I thought you had that. Anyway, the Graz researchers had intended Kaiser to solve a far less serious issue than Meltdown or Spectre. Their focus was on hiding the locations of the computer's memory from a malicious but not necessarily blocking access to it. We felt unhappy. Uh, "Quote: People were interested in deploying our countermeasures. Soon, however, developers on the on the mailing list began to note that the Kaiser patch could slow down some Intel chips by as much as five or thirty percent for some processes. I like that joke. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wait, guys,
2: it's either five or thirty percent. I, I, I don't know which, but it'll be one of the two. Well, the
0: PR guy from Intel will tell you that it's a it's five or less, and anyone who has to use these patches will tell you it's thirty or more.
2: Oh, well. So, there, uh, interestingly." this was my favorite find, was the visualization of uh, somebody did a bunch of these, uh, uh, like actually monitored a bunch of services as they got patched on AWS,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which that is that is a huge one. Anytime you're on any cloud provider, you're you're sharing a physical machine with other people, basically. So somebody could be doing one of these attacks and you wouldn't know it. And it is fascinating to see this jump of like, one example was uh, they were running uh, just an average CPU l- utilization, actually, uh, the first one, where it was, like, average CPU at, like, all the time was around 50%, which is a perfectly normal production machine, and it bumps up to about 80 after the patch.
0: Wow. So it's about a 30% increase.
2: Yep. Well, and oh, but my um, the most interesting ones that I'd say overall were uh, they were running Kafka, which is a way to uh, stream messages uh, uh, in your, uh, through your, your infrastructure, and its packet in and out dropped from like twelve and a half thousand to seven and a half
0: thousand. Ah, by the way, and
2: databases was also just terrible. <laughs> Even uh, like Memcache got hammered.
0: Well, I mean that's. Uh... I don't know, We did everybody just two. took a giant step back in computing, I guess.
2: Yeah, no, uh, everything is slower now.
0: Well, take that, Moore's Law.
2: <laughs> Unless you're on physical machines, only running software you know.
0: Right, which, which very few of us course. are. Even my Hackintosh, well, which is supposed to be, which is running the show, and supposed to be a physical machine that's only running tr- trusted software, is it? Well, it's
2: not, because you have a web browser. Because have a
0: web browser, exactly. Kaiser, by the way, is kernel address isolation to have side channels effectively removed. Interesting. That's it. And if okay. you go to github.com slash I-A-I-K slash Kaiser, everything is in caps, uh, you can see this GitHub. Interesting. And
2: what I will say to you, uh, a lot of those uh, companies that you rely on for like, latency-based things are on physical machines, thankfully. So like, if you're using an, a CDN or a, a – well, any CDN that isn't Amazon's because Amazon's runs on their own EC2 machines – or if you're doing DNS Those are running on physical machines And as uh, far as I have know within the community uh, There's been a hold off on patches so far
0: Ah yeah. And if you're on High Sierra You uh, will crash the operating system If you run HTOP Dope Thank you Apple <laughs> <laughs> Great okay uh, also, one last cherry on top is that we mentioned that the Intel CEO sold his stock right before this happened. So It was a planned sale in uh, late November, and he planned it after learning about this, we think. so. Um, now, that's basically everything that we talked about last week. Uh, one last thing With that I wanted ledger. to add was apparently... The Core 2 CPU, Intel's Core 2, Core 2 Solo, Core 2 Duo, really popular 10 years ago. Um, Someone wrote a very scathing note to, uh, I guess, just on some forum, on the OpenBSD forum, about Intel Core 2. Uh, And it just says, These processors are buggy as hell, and some of these bugs don't just cause development and debugging problems, but will assuredly be exploitable from user land code. As is typical, BIOS vendors will be l- very late providing workarounds and fixer- fixes for these processor bugs. Some bugs are unfixable and cannot be worked around. Intel only provides detailed fixes to BIOS vendors and large operating system groups. Open-source operating systems are largely left in the cold. Do you remember anything about the Core 2 Duo, Christian?
2: Yeah, uh, the first MacBook Pro I actually like used. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I was in college. I got it as a hand-me-down. Uh, that uh uh, had a Core
0: 2 Duo. Those, I mean, those those were pretty solid from 2007. Uh, the first MacBook Pro, I think, had a Core Solo. It wasn't even a Core 2. It was a Core 1 Solo and then a Core Duo and now a Core 2 Duo. But, um, I don't know. It just the, the, I'm reading this because it seems like Intel has had some kind of architectural issues with their processor design for a long time. People have been complaining about this for a while. I guess they just haven't been as exploited uh, as as, as, uh, as as egregiously until now, some of these bugs are along the lines of buffer overflow where a write protect or non execute bit for a page table entry is ignored. Others are floating point instruction uh, non coherencies or memory corruptions outside of the range permitted writing for the process running common instruction sequences this is, this was ten years ago
2: yeah that just sounds bad
0: right but th- i mean so i think that intel has had a has had a problem for a long time about um just with these with these processors and it was only a matter of time before something was exploited like this one uh there's a powerpoint or a fake powerpoint uh from the black hat conference uh that talks about how to exploit the isa which is uh i think that's just the Integrated system architecture? Mm, Intel... Uh, what is that? I don't know. Uh, instruction set architecture. There we that go. That sounds right. There we go. Um, and it talks about how there's a uh, a chart of all of the opcodes from the Intel x86 CPU. Uh, here's a one one-byte opcode map. And there's a hole right here on row F column one, which is the second column because it's in hexadecimal and starting at zero. Uh, and there's another... there. Yeah. And uh, so these holes in the processor documentation, what are they? It's something... Every table... Sorry, every cell in this table is filled except for one. And it's in the middle of a table. It's not at the end of a row. It's in the... It's in the... If you If you look at the link that I put on the show notes... It's a uh, bottom row, number two, column. And it just, before it, lock prefix. And then after it, R-E-P-N-E-X-A-C-Q-U-I-R-E. I don't know what that is. X acquire. Um, and then there's this hole. And you can audit the processor to try to figure out what it does when you get to that instruction. Because it will pro- possibly never be called directly unless it's for some nefarious purpose like could it be for something i mean sharing protected memory i know i'm going off on a tangent here but sharing protected memory seems like a very secure operation if there were a way to get the processor to i don't know if you were able to use uh, an exploit to get the processor to dump out some shared memory and then send that back to some third party couldn't that be some kind of government collusion that was a really long question i know so that's
1: nsa free parking is that what you're
0: saying?
2: Yeah. I, I don't think it is. I think...
1: You
0: don't think so?
2: I, I think you need a timeout. The, the, you're way too political.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: All
0: right, that's fine. Uh, here's something else uh, that might be true. Uh, while trying to investigate this, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, this person tried to chart the makefile syscall on macOS before and after uh, these meltdown patches, and they show that the IR, the IO rates... Uh, it should be mk file. Mk uh, file,
2: because make file is a thing.
0: What's mk file?
2: Mk file is literally make a file. But do
0: you say mk directory or do you say make directory when you're saying it verbally?
2: I say mk dir.
0: Okay. Well, the mk file io rates are now down to sixty-one point five megabytes a second, where they had previously been over two gigabytes a second.
2: Dope.
0: Thanks, Apple. But. <laughs> The first comment, class action time. However, the last comment says, what processor, what die was this on? Exceedingly unscientific, honestly. I get there's something wrong, but a limited use case using small blocks. And also, nobody knows the processor we're talking about. So, what is, makefile just makes a file on the system, right?
2: Um, well, I can tell you in a second. I usually just use touch to do that.
0: Uh, I, right. I don't know why. what the difference between touch and makefile would be. Um,
2: um, seems like makefile is a non-Linux uh, syscall. From, oh, no, it, uh, it's not a standard Linux syscall, but it creates one or more files that are suitable for use uh, as NFS-mounted swap
0: areas. What's the difference between that and touch?
2: Touch just creates a regular file on a traditional file system. Okay. So you can use a, a MK files as a way to do like MK swap.
0: Gotcha. Um, anyway, they say use really large batches for IO because every time that there's a syscall, there's a giant lag in the performance. Would you agree? What, what do you think about this, Christian?
2: Uh, I think that... One, it seems weird because even on... Uh, as like, a syscall in code, I just usually use open to create a file. to pass in an O create flag, but... Uh, uh, this does seem like uh, it could have been a performance degradation, but it could be on a specific processor, yes. It could, it's, so it is like not like certain, but it could be that, yes, this is the case that this was a performance degradation, but it also seems like they aren't presenting enough evidence from uh, prior to the patch.
0: Yeah, I don't think well. that about, yeah. about how they did the study and what, what more specifics about the study, so maybe we won't get uptight about that one. Uh, and when I say we, I mean me, of course.
1: <laughs> Are we gonna uh, like continue with this show? Well, yeah. <sighs> we got why? we got we got stuck in a few tangents.
0: We did, but that was on the uh, on the list anyway. Um, apart from the Intel thing, uh, there was another big exploit that ended 2017, which was escaping Docker containers using wait ID. <laughs> now we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago, Christian. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little refresher?
2: Sure. So, And this is not just Docker containers. just focuses on Docker containers because it's the most well-known Docker container. Uh, sorry, uh,
0: any container. Most well-known
2: container. But essentially using the wait-id syscall, which uh, suspends the calling thread until one child process containing uh, the, uh, the calling thread uh, changes state. So you can be like, wait-id until a child process... Uh, uh, so basically through this, you can do like... The way containers work is you fork a process, and in that process, they have all these uh, flags that say create new namespace and create new cgroups and uh, mount this file system. And in that, though, your your child process can call wait id, and all of a sudden you have to uh, it can wait until uh, a, a a um a, a child of Docker uh, uh, that is other than Docker. Uh, so this isn't exactly every single container runtime. If you do create use one that doesn't uh, use uh, like. Uh, It set up namespaces on fork but they're all you know every process is a child uh, process of PID1 in some way so you can use wait ID to basically say oh I want to wait until some other uh, uh, process that's uh, on the host but not in my container changes so the thing is it's that like in the uh, source code for wait ID in, uh, in libc it wasn't doing this bounce check that it should
0: you lost me Christian it's a
1: pause Sorry. button, but it waits for a, a system process that's outside of the Docker container or whatever container.
0: Yes. Oh. Yes. Okay. Good job, Tyler. You got it. Thanks, buddy. So, uh, so it waits for what? A, P- uh, a process ID, PID to change outside of the Docker container?
2: Well, anything within the uh, uh, PID space. So you have uh, Docker forks a uh, process to create the new container. Okay and in in the in that container the, that child process calls wait id cuz it's just whatever code you put in that container and then you have another uh container that was created by docker as well which is also a child process within that space so that uh the uh thread in docker uh in one container can call wait id and wait for another containers to ch- uh, change state
0: huh
1: oh uh, so you can like wait for all your different apps to talk to each other Mm-hmm. I sent something to this app, and then when that says received, then I know, and I can pro- send more right. stuff.
2: But the whole idea is, hey, I, I, I'm using containers to isolate these and not let them be
0: part of each other. Well, then how are they allowed to talk to each other in the first place? It's that wait idea. Normally,
2: you have certain IPC like things that you bet yeah. Like, if you want them to talk to each other in Docker, you can say, oh, let these things talk to each other. But in this case, it's like, uh, this is just... Uh, it, the libc source code uh, has a bug in it uh, in wait id where it's like hey this thing should be doing a bounce check here for is it in the right pid namespace is it in the right ipc namespace and it's not
0: yeah well that type right. of operation i feel like because of the amount of times it would be called might really slow down the system if they fix that what do you think no
2: no th- th- this is a uh, it's a check that's in most his calls that do ipc stuff oh, okay
0: Never mind. Yeah. I was thinking like adding another conditional for a line, a piece of code that's checked millions of times. Uh, okay. Um, so, so they just have to patch libc, which will patch will then will then effectively patch the bug in waitid, which would then patch this exploit. Yep. Cool. Cool. Um, let's see. Uh, some more. You, we have. You want to talk about some more exploits that aren't aren't intel Uh, we spent so long on one exploit or two exploits really Uh, how about this one I'm harvesting credit card numbers and passwords from your website
2: and you're giving me no credit for the title (laughs) of the segment
0: I put what what? y'all javascript devs need jesus I don't get it
2: this is if like the article itself it's basically stop npm installing just whatever
0: no that's not this article. Yeah. No. This article yeah. No, this article uses a shadow form that will uh that will leverage your browser's ability to autofill a form with your credit card information and then send that information back to Home Base. Ooh, yes, but then he goes
2: form. further to say and then make this an NPM package. Oh. Yeah. Oh,
0: So NPM was to be my distribution method, I would need to come up with some borderline useful but then if there but if some. oh I see. Yeah. Yeah. So then any website could just install this and harvest your credit card information
2: without even knowing without that even, they know, this.
0: even knowing that it, you're being asked for it and you could do the same thing with usernames and passwords. Yep. Great. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a good exploit. Maybe need a Chrome extension to make that not work. Chrome extensions are locked down, it says. Uh, yeah. and, and it's actually highlighted. Lucky for me, we live in an age where people install NPM packages like they're popping painkillers. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Uh, no That's comment. pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. There's a, a VMware remote code execution. What's that about?
2: So this is in their enterprise hypervisor, Yes. Uh, uh. E S X I. I can never pronounce that.
0: E-S-X-I. S-X-I. S-X-I. sexy. A sexy.
2: Oh, sorry. No, it's not in that. It's in vSphere, the other one that's built on top of that. <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's so also a vSphere. But yeah. uh, uh, in in their uh, uh, VDP, which stands for vSphere
0: uh, VD, Data Protection.
2: Yes, thank you. It wasn't uh, going to be my ro- guess. Code, code execution bug. And. Uh basically uh it's just doing like this V D P path traversal thing where it's like, Oh, I think this data is here, let me go to that and it's like, Oh, I can't go there but it's like, Oh yeah, you know you can and so there is a patch uh available for this protection. So if uh I know a few enterprise companies who are there run vSphere, so in this case like for all we know, hey Walmart's using this and it's like every time you use your credit card, somebody's like, Oh, remote code execute on uh Walmart.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's uh that could be that could be true. A remote, a remote unauthenticated malicious user can uh, can potentially bypass application authentication and gain unauthorized root access to the affected systems. Wow, so dirty uh, VDP contains a file upload vulnerability. It's another one. Uh, path traversal vulnerability. A remote authenticated malicious user with low privileges can access arbitrary files on the server file system in the context of the running vulnerable application. Really? And yep. Solution, they have patches. Huh. Man, I feel like if you
1: listen to our show, you could just collect a big list of how to do bad stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, what we should, well, what we should do is post AMS a list of this. <laughs> no, we should post our list of exploits on the, on, on the Facebook yeah, page for the episode. Yeah, so you know it to protect. Yeah, which is everything. Just patch everything. <laughs> unless you're on a two-year-old iPhone that's going to be ruined by the new patches. But then you, your your stuff will be exploited if you don't. I, I am one of those people. I have iOS 10.2. I don't want my battery, my already slow phone with a bad battery to go to get even slower.
2: Oh, my phone,
0: I can't even leave unplugged for that long anymore. Because it just dies? Yeah. Like you know, that's minutes. the thing that Apple was protecting against with their slowing down. See, I have an Android. No, I, and I, I, just I know that. Yeah, don't bother to buy a, s- a
1: new battery.
2: Well, because the ba- the battery is soldered.
0: Yeah, and this is what Apple was protecting against. Ah. They, re- your CPU is is requesting uh, more juice than the battery can supply at a given time, and it just turns off. Much like if you have heart failure, your body requests more blood than your heart can pump at a given time, and then you just die. That went dark. Wow. Yes. Anyway, that I've is pretty quickly. All day. Anyway, uh, let's see. This is not an exploit, so I'm not going to read it. Uh, here's a good one. Uh, how to crack a 45-year-old password-protected Xerox system. A Xerox Alto. Alto? I don't know. Which, I'd, which, I'd alto. say alto. alto. Oh, Palo Alto. So this would be an Alto. Um, or the musical term. Been,
1: uh, su- is, sorry? Or the musical term.
0: Oh. Yes, it is.
2: Yeah, the voice range.
0: Yeah Uh, We've been having a bunch of Or archiving a bunch of Old Xerox Alto disk packs From the 70s A few of them turned out To be password protected So I needed to figure out How to get around The password protection I developed a way To disable it As well as a program To find the password Instantly This attack is called Xero Day X-E-R-O Like a zero Xerox pun Um, Yes Okay Uh, Let's see uh, before reading each disc, we open. You know what? Let's uh, why don't why don't we do the uh, a little music there? Before reading each disc, we open the pack and carefully clean the surface. After storage for decades, these discs have had some grime, dust, and the occasional bug of the dead insect variety. So we need to clean them to reduce the chance of a head crash. Most of the archive disks can be booted onto the Alto or Contra-Alto simulator, but only a few disks booted to a password prompt, and we couldn't use the disk without the password. Uh, the source code for the Alto's password algorithm re- uh, reveals how the password hashing is implemented. The Alto uses four words of salt with the password. Two words based on the password creation time and two words based on the username. The password hash is four words or 64 bits long. The Auto's password algorithm, hash algorithm is very simple. And it just says hash equals negative A times X times X plus B times Y. Where A is the time salt, B is the username salt, X is a one-word value generated from the password string, and Y is a two-word value from the password string. And then there's a way to disable the password on the disk. Uh, the password protection can be disabled by clear, clearing the flag word inside sys.boot, which is the 128th word in the second block of sys.boot. The tricking part is finding where this is on the disk. Anyway, they go on. You can brute force the password. You can reverse engineer the, the hashing algorithm with math. Uh, and it turns out that you can trivially bypass trivially bypass an old password. That's about it. Sounds like safe hacking in the digital age. Exactly. Well, you know, it's taken 45 years for someone...
2: Bad bad news if you have a 75-year-old
0: computer. 45-year-old computer. Well, and now computers made this century have hardware encryption algorithms, so they don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, There's a massive WordPress exploit that uh, broke, wow, almost a month ago. We didn't talk about it because I was saving it for an exploit episode that was now... Now! If you're running WordPress, please update your stuff, even though there's another new update. Uh, And
2: with that new security vulnerability... Yes,
0: so we'll we'll get to that next month as we lag behind. But it looks like they have a graph of brute force attacks by hour. And they're shooting up. This looks like a climate graph. But it's uh, about 14 million... Attacks every hour at ten, uh, across ten thousand IPs, and that's uh, yeah, that's a lot. Sounds like it. Uh, the attack has so far peaked at fourteen million attacks per. Hour, blah blah blah. What I just said. Uh, a possible explanation for this massive increase in brute forces was that uh, a massive database of hacked credentials emerged from WordPress on December fifth. It was taken. Uh, it wasn't from WordPress, but it was found on the dark web. Uh, it contains over 1.4 billion username and password pairs. Approximately 14% of the database contains credentials that have not been seen before. And the database is also searchable and easy to use. Yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, two, two things for the end of the show. Uh, the last thing is you can you can fingerprint text with zero-width Unicode characters. And this is kind of cool. Um, there's a zero-width non-joiner or a zero-width space. And you could incorporate those into strings of text or strings variable, you know, strings like variable strings. Uh, and it, you won't be able to see them. And it has a line... It has two lines. We're not the same text, even though we look the same. One of them has these invisible zero-width characters. So... Dirty. There's a way that you can be fingerprinted. Giggity. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> and the last story for the evening is about an app called Scripto. <laughs> Scripto is an app that has now become used by every late night talk show, host, uh, talk show that spun off from The Daily Show. Because it was created by Stephen Colbert. Oh, Go on. My thing was down. Yeah, that's what she said. Sounds awfully uh, personal. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Scripto was conceived at the end of 2010 when Stephen Colbert and one of his writers, Rob Dubbin a longtime amateur coder, first discussed making a bespoke drafting program for the staff. Until then, the Colbert Report, just like its progenitor the Daily Show, had used the electronic news production system, a platform developed by the Associated Press and used by some 900 TV newsrooms around the world. ENPS was good at doing certain things, such as formatting text for the teleprompter or feeding in archival footage, but it had a major flaw. Writers could not work simultaneously in the same document. And so, during the hour-long lull while others were reading scripts shoveling sandwiches uh, into their mouths... Uh, the Sky Dubbin began to code an alternative and uh, they hired an outside developer and over a couple weeks um, they were able to come up with a prototype and they basically call it Google Docs for script writing and it allows everyone on these uh, in these staffs to collaborate together on one giant script and uh, without stepping on each other's toes or not being able to type things that go into the teleprompter or not being able to type things that you read from the internet or find a video clip from the service, etc. Um, and in 2015, when Colbert left the Colbert Report and he assumed <laughs> David Letterman's spot on CBS, he took scripto with him. And uh, Daily Show is using it. Last week, tonight, are using it. Samantha B is using it. Everyone's using it. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. Uh, the first batch of clients got two servers each It wasn't a cloud thing We literally installed a pair of physical servers In their studio uh, The guy who writes this software By the way also puts out a popular Newsletter from Maine Called Today in Tabs <laughs> Yeah his email newsletter uh, Today in Tabs were a minor sensation Were a minor sensation among web savvy journalists And internet cool kids just three years ago Though compiled from Maine, Taz was known in New York as a daily conveyance from ta- for tantalizing Twitter spats and journalistic gossip. I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, um, the guy, and um, I forgot his name, Dubbin, ends by saying, I wouldn't sell this to Fox News. I have no intention of making their job any easier.
1: So they're going to make the same one.
0: Yeah. Or maybe they don't need this. So, it doesn't seem like... It. Actually, look at this. Scripto is now the engine of, a full, of an entire universe of left-leaning news comedy shows. So, like I said Samantha B, Jordan Klepper's show, uh, The Rundown with Robin Feed, I don't know who he is. The Jim Jeffrey show, and, and BuzzFeed's AM to DM. Well, it's AM to DM to
2: BM
0: to DP. And that brings us to the Um, end of another Polar Quest. So Christian, do you approve of this episode? (laughs) I almost said do you remember. Do you approve of this episode?
1: That looks good to me. (laughs) Tyler, how about you? Uh, Since you remembered your name and you introduced me this time, I'm going to say yeah, I approve.
0: I won't make that mistake again. I do apologize. And how about you, our wonderful studio audience? Yes! Great. Well then, let's all hit merge, and we'll see you next week, right here Request. This has been the Pneumonium production. The views and opinions expressed on pull request do not necessarily reflect those of Pneumonium LLC or its subsidiaries. This week's theme music provided by VulfPEC. Visit them at VULFPECK.com.